Hello, everyone. Welcome back to this week's episode of Lit AF with me, your host, Sarah Cohan. As always, I am so excited to be back here today with you. I have such an exciting guest today. Her name is Susanna Merrick, and she is a color intuitive. We go into all things color, aura color, wardrobe color, shadow of color, so many things. She does a mini aura reading on me, which just like absolutely blew my mind. We had so much fun talking with each other, if it's not clear throughout the interview. We also decided that we are clearly soul sisters from centuries ago, as we have matching hair. (laughs) So fun. So I'm just so delighted to bring this episode to you today. Um, And as always, before we get into the episode, I want to do my mini check-in. And I am like still thinking back on a full moon ceremony I did for the Scorpio full moon. And uh, it was with Attuned to the Moon, which is my yoga nidra teacher that I've talked about before. This lovely woman named Sasha Bahador runs the full moon ceremonies. And this Scorpio full moon ceremony was like, like, we are here. We are Scorpio. Hi. (laughs) Don't look at me, but like really look at me. (laughs) And it involved like so much movement. So she like put on this playlist and we just like danced it out. And she was like, just feel your energy. Take off your clothes if you want to. Don't worry. All the cameras were off. But it was just like kick and scream and punch a pillow and kick the floor and have a tantrum. And then like really love up and feel on yourself. And I was just like having a fucking blast. It was amazing. So I'm just like so grateful (laughs) that full moon ceremonies exist. So grateful for just the like the level of different modalities that she brings into it because we were singing and praying and journaling and then you know having a fire ceremony like it was in all in an hour and a half. It was absolutely amazing. So I've actually talked to you about um, how to join Attune to the Moon before, but I'm going to link below the discount code in case you want to join. It's 50% off below. It's so, so, so solid. They've got new moon circles. They've got full moon circles. They've got daily yoga nidras that I do that are attuned literally to astrology. It's amazing. And then I have some really big announcements to share with you all today. So big news, Lit AF podcast is celebrating one year on May 25th, 2021. Just going to take a moment, let that sink in. I've got chills. I might cry. Like this podcast is just a dream. It's just an absolute dream. And I'm so honored to be here with you every single week, bringing you guests to talk about personal growth and they're being so vulnerable and we're having lots of laughs while we're doing it. It just makes my day every single day. And so I would just want to say thank you for being here. I have just been so honored to be here with all of you. And also, in order to celebrate, I'm going to be hosting a wellness festival, which is so exciting. So mark your calendars because it's going to be May 20th through May 22nd. And um, we're going to have workshops. We're going to have community calls. We're going to have a sound bath. Oh my God. It's going to be so, so, so good. So the first workshop is going to be Rachel Besser. She's going to be hosting a shadow workshop. This is not to be missed. Every time I do it, I uncover a huge shadow. I process it. Sometimes I cry. Sometimes I just get inspired by other people that are sharing their shadow and being like, oh my God, look at us having this human experience. Like this is just amazing. And then I'm going to be hosting a community call, and this is a really, really special thing. So this is going to be anyone's invited to come. There's going to be some agreements before you join in um, so that we're all on the same page of how uh, we're interacting and communicating with each other. And it's truly a time to share what's going on with you, hear from others about what they are going through and learn about different resources and tools and processes that people use to process anything that's going on in their little life. This could be manifestation. This could be shadow. This could be learning how to play with your inner child. 
this could be up leveling. It could be you're going through something and you just want to be held. I've seen people come and just ask for affirmations. Oh my God, that's always my favorite. So it's really a, a playground to share and be vulnerable and hear from others and support others. It's a magical, magical, magical time. That event is going to be free. And then on Saturday, we're going to have a little sound bath from Natalie Lobo, who's an intuitive. Her sound baths are transformative. So I'm so, so, so excited to have her um, host an actual sound bath for us. All of these events are going to be online. There's a tiered ticketing system. So there's some free events. And then there's all the way up to the VIP, which is going to get you swag. It's going to get you into a secret event. We've got tons of fun stuff going on. So if you are interested in signing up for that, you can visit sarahcohan.com. That's S-A-R-A-H-C-O-H-A-N.com slash forward slash Wellness Fest. It's W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S-F-E-S-T. Wellness Fest. And you can get tickets. You better sign up early for those VIPs because they're definitely going to run out soon. Um, And you can learn more about the event itself. So I am just so excited to be celebrating with all of you. Um, And I can't think of a better way to do this than a wellness fest. And I should say, too, that all these events are going to be in the evening um, from like around 5, 5 p.m. Pacific time or 6 p.m. Pacific time because I wanted to kind of break it up so it's not just like one full day dedicated to this, but instead it's like little chunks that you can fit into your already existing, I'm sure, very busy schedule. So come for one event, come for all of it, whatever you want. You can check it out at sarahcohan.com forward slash wellness fest. It's going to be so, so, so fun, you guys. All right, that's it for me. Check in and my announcements. And without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. Welcome to the show, Suzanne Merrick. I am so, so, so excited to have you here. I'm so happy to be here. This is, I think this is going to be a fun, a fun chat. Oh yeah, I'm like so 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 pumped. So I was thinking we could start today by just highlighting a specific color, and we're recording in April. Even we're time traveling. I love this. My favorite thing about the podcast. We're time traveling. We're recording in April. It's going to air on May fifth. But right now, you've the color of the month is pink. So I was curious if you could just talk to us about the color pink and all of its all of its interesting facets. Well, first of all, I think pink is probably one of the colors that we all collectively know a lot about and so little about at the same time. So first of all, the history of pink is really fascinating. It actually was a color that was associated with men before it was ever associated with women. I know. Wild. Wild. Wow. I'm still, I have to say, I can't speak too much on that, but it, but especially during like Marie Antoinette times. And again, to like really, it became really popular color during like punk culture mm. for men. And, you know, my work is all about getting really curious about what it represents, what it means, what it energetically is connected to and how you can use it as a place of exploration. And so we already consciously and subconsciously do this with colors. Um, I'm just asking you to get a little bit more curious, a little bit more in depth and use it as a tool. So anyway, so pink was a color that was tested out in the sixties <laughs> and there was, there's a really famous book called drunk tank pink. And it's kind of like a Freakonomics book. If you really like Freakonomics, I highly recommend reading it. If you're not someone who enjoys Freakonomics, do not read it. I'll just tell you the <laughs> title of the story right now. Love so, that. <laughs> Like, don't warn yourself. This woman told me to get this book, and it's all about pink, but it was only about pink for five minutes. So <laughs> the, the, title, the title of the book is called Drunk Take Pink, and it comes from this story about a precinct painting itself bubblegum pink. And what they used to do is put the drunks in there at night because they believe it calmed them down. Whoa. Now, fun fact, lots of prisons and places of reform are actually painted the same bubblegum pink. And there have been tons of studies done that show that pink actually physically affects men differently than it does females, women. It's bizarre. It makes them weaker. (laughs) And it it makes women stronger. Like they would do like muscle memory tests and stuff. Fascinating, fascinating stuff. So pink kind of has this like interesting history. And it was probably one of, you know, it's one of these colors that is really... It has such a soothing effect when you look at it. 
but pink in the aura is very fascinating. So I have been reading auras and energy since I, as long as I can remember. And I only just fully came out of the closet, but like maybe three or four years ago. Welcome. And yeah, everybody in my life that knew was just like, yeah, that's yeah, thing. <laughs> and then other ones like, what? Yeah, this is crazy. So um, funny. Not something you tell people every day about yourself. <laughs> but now I do. So people change. <laughs> and we are so glad you did. Let me just say that. Yeah. So yeah. So I've been doing this for a long time and, and, I mean, it really has been, I, I think I have, I, I get forms, I collect forms on everyone I've ever done readings on. And at this point, I'm at like 528 forms, which is pretty crazy. That doesn't even include people I read at events. So I've had like this crash course in the last few years on energy. Different colors around different people mean different things at different times. So I always say, if you change your mind, you can change your aura, you can change your energy. Uh, the physical energy that actually comes out of you like the actual radiation. It's not enough to harm you or anyone around you, but it is enough for us to be aware of and to connect to. A lot of the misconceptions that you'll hear about auras and energy is that they are, you have one color and that is your personality diagnosis and that is you, your energy. And while I do believe that there are colors that are closer to our spirits and are closer to who we identify with, right? These things can change. Just like we can change who we are how we show up in the world and change our gender. We can change. There's so many things that we can kind of shift and change into. And this is all at our fingertips. And so we're really only at the cusp of understanding the aura. What I see pink in someone's aura, the color pink, which is generally red mixed with white mixed, with, you know, this energy that is present with someone tells me a lot. And I ignored what it was telling me for a long time. So I would meet women in particular that had this energy around them. And I would just gush. I would just give because I'd be like, oh, this is, this represents, you know, tenderness and compassion. And you're so open and you're so connected. And I would just like lay it on what I was feeling because I'm Claire Sendaya. So it's all about feeling. And I would just put it into words because the work is really about being seen and experienced. What I would see happen was that these women would be like, Ugh totally taken back, feeling really vulnerable. And then later I would find out that their biggest wounds were around females Ugh. and hurting other females. So their downfall is that they could let you in, but the shadow side of that is that they would cut you off really fast. Ugh. And so what that really brings out is a female wound, the, the feminine wound, that connection. So when I started to connect these dots, I started to realize there, there was, it was being brought forth because there's a message of healing that needs to happen. But I, I will tell you as a reader, and like some of these would even become my extended clients or when I would really start to see that wound. And as a coach, you know, your job is to really hold that space in a certain way and challenge them. And like, it's a deep wound. And so for me, pink became the first module of like each, I have color, each module represents a wound. It represents ways to support it. Pink became the place where I was like, oh, this is where we need to start first, first and foremost. So it's about reclaiming your femininity. It's about understanding it on your own terms. It's about really digging in and learning to support and have compassion for other women and healing the ancestral wounds that we have around how we treat and show up for each other, which is big shit. Because I'm like, I ain't down with this whole like, oh, support girls, women supporting women. And like, no, no, like you want to hold space for me? Like, hold me. <laughs> hold me now. <laughs> hold me now and like really see me and allow me to move through it because it's got lots of layers. And so, yeah, it's the mother wound. And, you know, you don't have to, and I think sometimes when you have a good relationship with your mom, that's when you're really like screwed because <laughs> it's like, oh, you don't even see the little T's, those little tiny traumas hanging out everywhere. Right? <laughs> And then, you know, or you have a really tumultuous relationship with your mother and that's okay. And it becomes intergrained and intertwined and tied into everything in your life. So when I started this work, it was like, yeah, let me read your aura. This is cool. This is fun. We'll talk about your style. What it has become is, okay, how do we make space? How do we clear these wounds out so that you can invite in more creativity more understanding of yourself, more femininity. And how do you support that work through tools? So my tools of choice are, you know, obviously the spiritual tools, the closet, 
the mind, rewiring the mind with neurons. Like you can literally use color as a conscious and subconscious tool to help you rewire and understand your relationship with it and or heal your relationship with it. And the body, the physical body, like understanding your hormones, your physical energy, how you process it out. Energies matter. How do you alchemize your emotions? How do you move move through them um, in order to get to the other side? Wow. That's he- that's a lot. <laughs> that is a lot for April. Okay, everybody. <laughs> we're coming off the end of April. <laughs> you did everybody did that, right? We all healed our mother wounds. <laughs> we're all good. Yeah, you did, did it in that moment. Yeah. yeah. But it's so interesting oh. to hear about the different um reactions or uh yeah, reactions that men and women have. And I'm curious yeah. like what is behind that? What's the difference between that? You know, I think it is, yeah, color is so interesting. So there, when you think about Isaac Newton, right, and like, it's odd. So the whole theory he came up with around energy of color and reflection of color happened because ironically, they were in a pandemic at that time. And wow. he went away and studied by himself. Isn't that crazy? That's Fun crazy. fact. There's kind of the two theories out there that either color is actual energy. Like, we don't know how we fully experience this world, obviously. It's something we won't know until we're dead. Color is either energy or it's reflective, right? Or absorbent. I always say it doesn't matter which one it is. You know, it really, you can, if if it's in a relationship or it's an assignment that you've given to that color since you've experienced it since birth, or it does actually energetically affect you. It doesn't matter which one it is. The point is that whatever your relationship that you're intentional about with that color is important. So that's where a color psychology comes into play. So there are words that we know that we associate with these colors. My work is about getting more intentional, more clear about what you're associating with that color Mm. and how it can support you. Pink is also about self-care, self-compassion. I jokingly call it like the color of millennials, right? It is the color of millennials, but that comes from a much deeper place. Like we were also the same generation that were told we were fat because Kate Winslet was fat. And if Kate Winslet was fat, then we were fat. Right, right. If Britney Spears is fat, we were fat. Right. Like, and so we had so many issues about our bodies and how we're supposed to look and how femininity is supposed to be. And so when we finally got to an age in our 20s, where we're like, F you, stop telling us how to take care of ourselves. I'm taking a bath. <laughs> Deal with and it. Like, we like pictures of ourselves. Get over yeah. it. Um, <laughs> You're jealous. We understand. <laughs> yeah. But I think it came from a place of really reclaiming mm. our power with it. Damn. You know, That is powerful. That was really powerful. When I think of pink, I think of my internalized misogyny, to be honest. And I say that because Ooh. I know because my dog's a lady. She's a, a wonderful, beautiful lady. And my husband always wants to buy pink like things for her, like a pink leash and a pink harness and a pink collar. And I'm just like, why does she have – just because she's a girl doesn't mean she has to be pink. And then I, I just think of like, wait a second, like why am I so anti-pink? <laughs> Yeah, you have an aversion to it. I do. So the irony is anytime we have, and this is like such a great way to know where we're at with what, like with with our association, with our relationship with colors. Anytime we have an aversion to a color, there's something about it that we have to heal within ourselves. Oh my God, that's so beautiful. It's a trigger. It's a color trigger. Color is a total trigger, literally. (laughs) That's wild. Okay, so... You're talking a lot about like the meaning of colors and like especially like color and culture, which is so cool. And you're also talking about like understanding how your clients understand color. So I'm curious, how do you get into the actual definitions of colors? I'm sure there's books and stuff like that, but I'm curious like from your end, like how do you start to define color? Yeah. So when I started this work, this is – I had to like kind of – you know, anytime you're starting any business – or starting to ultimately carve out a space like I'm what my work is about. It's not like I'm reinventing the wheel, but I kind of had to, to some extent, because I really had to get clear on the method and the process of what AuraWare is and, and how to use it. And I was healing a lot at that time. And I think that when I would start to read things and there'd be a lot of imposter syndrome, like, well, I have to follow this theory or I have to go with this or I have to work with the chakras. And like, at one point I was like, going through everything and just really deeply studying. And I was getting so frustrated because I would look at these kind of modules of psychological words associated with colors, or I would see the chakras and 
And I just be like, you know what, at some point, I kind of need to like throw this out the window and just like start using my clients and my experiences to understand this. And when I did that, that's when everything started to shift. But I would get, I would get deeply triggered if I'd see like someone be like, green is and then they list out all these things for green. And I'd be like, none of that shit represents green. (laughs) Right? But but you you probably seen this at some point where you're like, well, I don't, I get confused because pink is playful and then yellow is playful and and then but like purple is creative, but also magenta is creative or green's been told it's creative. It's it, it's all about what it means to you. At the end of the day, there are certain things like that you know culturally affect these things. There are statistics. There are things out there, but again, you don't get to fully know. So. If you don't get to fully know, let's make it your own. Like make it your own. Connect to it in your own capacity. Oh my God. I love that. I love that. So I'm curious, how do you do that then with clients? Like is it memories of the color or feelings or like how do you how do you bring it out of them? Yeah. So, well, I use the aura. So the aura is my choice, color tool of choice. Smart. It's very smart. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it is something I also had to kind of let go of because of their very specific readings with everything would just kind of contradict themselves. And I don't operate off a system of chakras. I specifically don't use the chakras to, I mean, every once in a while, I will use some of the tools of a chakra to help understand the colors. But for me, it just wasn't serving the work. And if it serves you and the work, great. But it just wasn't, as I was watching their auras and energies, it wasn't the same stuff connected to the chakra wounds and the blocks. So I had to really operate from a different system, but different colors on different people can mean different things at different seasons and different times. Um, that's where clairsendient. So I'm clairsendient. It means my body physically <laughs> and emotionally knows things before my mind does. It is something I've had to really tune into to check and understand. You might even have this as well. Someone listening. It is when you you have an interaction or you connect to someone or you felt something or you know something. And you feel it in your body, but your mind is not lining up with it. Like you can meet someone and just have this intense feeling about them. That's not good. But like, you're like, but the conversation was great. They seem really nice. And I, and then all of a sudden later, you're like, oh, did I overshare? Did I, and then you find out later something about them or that, you know, so that's ways that clairsentience can show up. I really believe that this is how everyone, like, if you're claircognate, you can read auras. If you're clairsentient, you can read auras. If you're claircangent or clairvoyant, there are ways to read auras. And I've seen this and a lot of my students do this as well. But at the end of the day, it's what they hear, what they see, what they feel, that is most important of the energy. And it's the same thing with color. I love the idea of hearing color. Well, so some people will actually hear the color being given, whether that's coming from a guide. I don't know. That's so cool. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. I love that. That's amazing. Okay. So tell us about your practice. <laughs> We're talking about all of this stuff and we haven't even talked about it. Um, I know that you – you so you've had this gift for a long time. I love that like your family knew about it. You like kind of practiced it without really even knowing or understanding it. And I'm so curious like how have you cultivated that since like really coming out of the closet? I like many of you probably listening where is that a place in my life where – I wasn't really happy with what I was doing for work. I didn't feel like I had the reins to take into my life. I woke up one morning and I was literally a 30-year-old babysitter. And I was like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? Like, what am I doing? Sorry, you're going to have to like bleep me out. Nope, swearing is encouraged. (laughs) (laughs) So I, yeah, I was just in this really low place. And I had gone through a really intense experience that all of us at some point will go through. Just some of us sooner than others. I lost my mom. and. During that time, I had a really great career as a performer, traveling, doing Broadway shows and acting. And I was really, really fortunate to to have work and to have that experience. But little did I ask myself how much I really loved it or cared about it because it was so deeply tied to who I was supposed to be, what I was supposed to do and how I was supposed to get there. And so I was feeling deep resistance to it. So like, even though I like had all the success and these things that happened, it was like a low of low. I was either bartending or babysitting in between and I was skipping auditions. And yeah, I just had to get really honest with myself at some point when like my identity really got stripped away from me. When you lose your mom or lose a family member, like it's like an umbrella of invisible protection. You have to kind of like learn to, what does it look like to parent yourself? 
like any normal person that goes through that, you kick and scream and you cry and you act like a brat and you go off the deep end. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, no one's going to get you. So you got to <laughs> kind of get back up on your feet. So I definitely hit like a rock bottom. And during that time, I got a job working <laughs> at a church, like really randomly, because I was like, well, I need insurance. And my dad was a minister. So I like grew up in the church. So I knew all that. And it, I did. It wasn't a church I went to. It was like literally my voice teacher. His wife used to run the children's program. He was a children's pastor, and she was stepping down. He's like, "Do you want this job? They'll give you benefits." And, this. and I was like, "Great." He's like, "You only have to work on Sundays." It was awesome. <laughs> I was like, little did I know what I signed up for. Yeah, so I took this job for three or four years, and this church was really spiritual and nothing like I had ever experienced growing up in the church. And um, it started to really open me up and open up parts of me. And at that same time. I really started to let go of the identity of who I thought I was. But I was working all sorts of odd jobs. Like I, when I wasn't acting and performing, literally I've lived a million lives, I'm 35. I don't look a day over 25, right? Nope. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but I worked a million jobs at the time and, and I would freelance doing like for friends on set and I was doing uh, styling or I was doing wholesale and I kind of got into that world of contemporary design. And the irony of it was like everybody in that world was like me and how I used to be as an actor. Like they were like, it's my everything. And like, I didn't care, but I would also just like, I was a hustler. I'd be like, Hey, you want me to go like run a suitcase across town or go pick up this or do that? Like I would just do it. And for me, it was just a paycheck. Like it was just money. I was like, sweet, this is easy money. And so it really confused a lot of people because they'd be like, you don't love this. It's fashion. And I did love fashion. I do love fashion. But so I had this experience and I share that because as I kind of hit this rock bottom and like I finally put in my notice at that job and my mother-in-law gifted me, gifted me literally the entire, as my wedding present, my husband and I's wedding present, the Marie Forleo program. And she's like, this is for you. I want to do this for you. And I was like, okay, I know. And so with that, I was like, uh, I really have to do this. Like she like saw that much potential in me. I need to do this. Like I need to, but I had no idea what I was going to do. I was like, I just knew I was going to start a business. And so at that point I was like, I'll be a mommy coach. <laughs> I wasn't a mom. I'm not a mom. And why I said it was because I found that I was just reading and connecting and helping moms then becoming friends with these moms that I was watching their kids and, and seeing their struggles and how much they were struggling as in their identity and who they were. And Anyway, I go through this program and then it literally like a download. I was really working on my spirituality and my gifts and it was just like a download. I like woke up and I was like, oh, I'm supposed to do this thing. And it was like, I knew the name. I knew everything. It was so bizarre. And it, even to this, it still makes me feel a little out of body, but it was like, it's going to be about color. It's going to be about fashion. It's going to be about wellness. It's going to be about connecting these things and you're going to be reading people's auras. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, bam. And so it was kind of like, Maybe I, they say your body and your cells change every seven years. So maybe mine just like changed and I got somebody's spirit that was like, this is what I was supposed to do. So let's go. <laughs> I don't know. No, 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 no. I, I feel deeply, I feel deeply connected to it. But it was, it just felt like that. I, I can't even explain it. It was just like, it happened. Like the work was all put in place. Like the business building, everything was put into place. So for people, it felt like it happened overnight. It didn't. It happened. You know, it really took me about eight to nine months. But when I did finally launch and I finally really took ownership, I jokingly call it my Sasha Fierce syndrome. Like when I I had to be like, really own it. Because if you say you're a reader or you say this to people, they're like, oh, you are. <laughs> What's my aura right now? And you're like, I'm not going to tell you. Don't do that. To me. Right. That's <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not playing that game. I'm not going to read your aura right now. And like, I also the way you ask your aura is probably like changing when they're asking that question. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I still was just fully taking ownership of like being that vulnerable and connecting. And I think people's misconception is that when you see auras or experience energy that you're constantly seeing them. Uh Oh, I turn that shit off. Like, and I can't, and because I've worked to hold space differently. I cleared my container, worked on myself. And so when I hold that space for you, I hold it in a very specific way, but I do not take on. And so part of that was when I was a child, I had some dark experiences with my gifts. And so I learned very quickly how to like shut it off. And it didn't happen all the time, of course. But I think because of that experience, it made it a lot easier when I when I stepped up to the plate to take ownership, to be like, okay, 
this is when you're in it. And I'm very, very protective of how I read and how I hold that space. Like I ask permission. I say, can I, may I, do I have your permission today to read your energy and to bring forth any messages that might be present? And that to me is just really, really important. There are lots of aura readers or energy readers out there that like read celebrities auras or like read the tabloid auras or say that, and that's not me. Mm-mm. It's just it's a special experience. It's an intimate experience, and yeah, I don't consensual. Yeah, it's a consensual experience. It's, I love it's it. It's important to protect those things. So, and I think a lot of that just comes from my experience of protecting my gifts and protecting how I see and experience people. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so when I first heard about your work, I was like, okay, maybe I can see auras. Like, let's just like I'd be like, okay, walking down the street and be like, what? Let's just like see what's coming off this person. What's coming off this person? And like, you know, I wasn't getting anything, but yeah, yeah. it was a fun game. <laughs> so I'm, I'm curious, like, how did you cultivate really turning it off? And I think too, the like, if it's not auras, I think for anyone listening, like, we are all we're all holding on to each other's energy all the time, or at least we're experiencing it, and some of us can hold on to it. So I'm curious, like, how did you cultivate that practice of like protecting it? Yeah, I mean, listen, I still <laughs> any interaction, like, I dip into the aura at, <laughs> of the coffee gal, like when I get a coffee, or like. I go to the dog run or the dog or it's like it, it comes up. It's not like it's like and it's off. There's not this that part of me anymore that's like, oh, it's happening. Like it's it feels it's an intimate experience that that feels when you do that, you don't feel good. It doesn't feel good. So that's where the practice comes in where it's like it's not you're unless that person is seeking or wanting you to know that information. Like think of it like having x-ray eyes, right? Like you're not gonna go tell somebody that you see something. I mean, I know like Teresa Caputo does this, right? Where she's like, I'm sorry, someone lost a soul here. Like she's, bless her. And she helps so many people, but I don't work that way. Like, and I'm like, it's, it's not that I see your dark secrets or in, it's just, I feel things. I know things about you, even if you're smiling that are heartbreaking sometimes, but we all walk around with these wounds. We all have this in us. And at the same time, it shows how much capacity we have to heal, move through and to hold somebody else. I just, it's a beautiful thing, but at the end of the day, it's very vulnerable. And so that's how I mean by turning it off. But, you know, I've been blessed with having some amazing guides, teachers in my life that have taught me how to really hold sacred space. And so sacred space looks like one-on-one allowing me to be a channel. Like I sometimes feel like it really does feel like a flow, like being like, I'll have a whole session and say something to somebody and walk away and like have no idea what I said. And if they came back and told me what I said, I'd be like, cool. <laughs> that sounds great for you. <laughs> like I have a, and I, I honestly think that's part of the protection process too, where it's like, I'm not hanging on to it. I'm not, I not all the time. Like that doesn't happen all the time. There's some people I like remember very specific things or energies and it makes me feel a little bit more like, not, I don't want to say like less important, but I mean, I'm like, I'm just the messenger. I'm just that space. And yeah, and I think that there are lots of messengers in this world. There's lots of mixed messages about those messengers or being gurus or them being these special people. And we are special people. Everybody's a special person. Everybody has, everybody is really, truly. But just because you have these gifts, they'll make you extra special. Um, I'll set it from the source's mouth. <laughs> I ain't that, I ain't that special. Uh, <laughs> We're all equally special here. Yeah, I, am, I am. I am special. <laughs> Get out you of sure here. <laughs> Susanna has the like a rainbow jar, a juice jar that she's drinking some some flavored water out of. It's so beautiful. Still is. Living my life. It's so good. <laughs> Meanwhile, I have a gigantic mug that says Mex I can, which Mex- is a I Mexican can. mug for my husband. Mex I can. Drinking <laughs> the life for the it's a very sacred mug we established before this call. <laughs> Super sacred. We're in a sacred space right now. <laughs> it's so good. Really so <laughs> so I'm curious, after you came out of the spiritual aura reading closet, how have your gifts changed? Like, I'm curious, like, then and now, like, what have, what are the biggest things that you've seen? Oh, yeah. So I think first and foremost, I became kind of a forever student for understanding the gifts. So the first process was really just like getting my hands on every book possible 
learning. I mean, I was just forever studying. And I think I was also homeschooled. This is a whole other conversation we're not going to get into. But if you guys want to learn about my homeschool cult, just go listen to a different. <laughs> I'll link one below. <laughs> we'll link it below. Um, there's like five of them. You can find them all. We're not going to talk about it here. Uh, but I was homeschooled. So the way that I learned or like absorbed information, I think is very different than the way that we do in school. And I went to high school in ninth grade. So I did kind of see how different this was. And when I was a child, like my mom would be like, yeah, what do you want to learn today? And like, literally, we would learn subjects for like whole months at a time. And like, so we would learn things in a little bit different of a capacity. What was great about this was that it helped us, my brothers and I, excel in certain areas. What's also problematic about this is that we didn't actually fully absorb a lot of areas that we probably needed to. So that's a thing. Um, Plus, my mom was like a crazy Christian, which is like, we don't really need science. Like, some things I had to really relearn in my life. Um, But I just, I love learning. It is a big part of my aura, my energy. And so that was my first step. The next step was really figuring out, okay, how do we hold this space? And then what I realized and connected to was that I went through a shit ton of healing in order to have capacity and space to create my business. And so from then I went, oh. Like, this is something you sign up for. And when I teach students, I have a one-on-one coaching program specifically for individuals looking to connect to their intuitive gifts and or use my tools to heal. So to use my method, you go through 12 sessions with me, each session representing a color that we talk about. And it's a coaching program. So it's like, it leaves you a different person at the end of the program. How you get to that. (laughs) Now you can book a discovery call if you would like. But uh, ultimately, I actually recommend you have an aura reading first with me to see if it's a good fit. Um, and I do offer one-on-one oral readings. But anyways, so that was when I started to go realize that I needed to continue to clear because healing is a forever process. It is, you know, getting really curious. And so intuitives that I was meeting with and guides and people that were really important to me and my space holders taught me that you don't sit around like making witches brews and... <laughs> You're not like, I know I'm going to go make all these premonitions about the future. It No, you just you get really curious to the human experience and like what comes up for you. So while you're clearing space, you're able to come to a place with, you know, what they call your karmic records being clear, like clearing your karmic records. You're not showing up with your gunk. You're really putting it to the side. You know, like therapists are taught to do this and psychologists are taught to do this, but it's in a different capacity because they're not holding the space in a certain way. And then the work isn't therapy. It is teaching you how to to do the same, how to get really curious for your own human experience and how to really start to find transformation from that. So there's real empowerment in the work, but it doesn't happen overnight. That's for sure. <laughs> I mean, sometimes I wish I could, but I don't actually wish I could. <laughs> I, know. I mean, honestly, I, I feel like I know I held her you, if you don't mind me asking. 35 as well. 35. Yeah. Okay, so then maybe you can relate. We also have matching hair for everyone that's not watching right now. <laughs> we do have we're, we decided we were sisters in a past life at some point. Um, a thousand percent. <laughs> but I, I, uh, I feel like this is, I hear this a lot. I had to get curious about it because it started triggering me, especially those going through. And I and I recognize that the reason I am where I am today is because I went through my Saturn return. So if you're in your Saturn return right now, I have so much love and compassion for you. You are in a pendulum swing of ego and self-deprecation. <laughs> and you give so much love. You are seen. You are heard. You are experienced. You will get through this. Like I would get really triggered hearing about any kind of other healers that were like going off and like doing ayahuasca and like disappearing for months at a time. And then they come back and they'd be like, I am so healed. I'm so healed. And I'm like, <laughs> no, you're not. Cause I'm like, sitting here. I can feel that shit. Um, <laughs> but like, Damn. anyways, the point is that I would just feel so triggered. And I was like, why am I triggered? And I, I got really curious. And what, what came up for me is that I had to fully accept that it, it is a journey. You just, you don't get to scrub yourself clean. You don't get to just then decide. And I think that's where it can be really problematic because that's where the shadow side of spirituality can come in where you think you're better than other people or you think you're above and you're not relating to their experience. You're not holding that space for them in a, in a certain way. And 
And that's why I think it really deeply triggered me is because I was like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I don't want people to see me that way. And also just it's it's painful because if you see if you think that's what's happening and then when you 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 fall hard, real hard, because you're like, what? This was all supposed to be fixed. And it's just it's a process. And my work is about making it fun, like making it fun. It can be fun. It can be fun to heal. It can be fun and it can it distracts your brain enough, like doing the things that practices, which we'll get into distracts you enough to not be always feeling your feelings and pain to an extent where it has to be so painful. It feels more like a process of alchemizing where it's combining, it's coming together and you're moving out and you're doing a little work at a time instead of like going one big chunk. I love that so much. That's so beautiful. That's like, let's let's all make healing fun again. <laughs> You're doing it. It's so great. And listen, don't lie. You you all know you love to get your little crystals together and your rocks. I'm holding mine now. I can't tell you what it means, but I really like holding it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's so true. I'm like, do I need another smudge stick? Yeah. Yes, I do. Oh, I have them all. I'm like as I'm like as modern and woo as they come. <laughs> I love it. It's so cool. I love it. (sighs) She's showing us a collection of smudges right now. (laughs) They're ready to go at a moment's notice. Okay. So I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about how to wear colors medicinally. And I've heard you talk about seasons and not just the actual seasons of weather, the year. Yes. We're getting a good smudge right now, you guys. Mm, 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 mm. It's happening. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, but seasons of life, seasons of moods, seasons of whatever stage you are in, all kinds of seasons. And I've I've heard, I don't know if you're familiar with Karen Kingston, but I'm like obsessed with her. She has a book about clearing clutter with Feng Shui. And she talks about if you like wear a certain color or a print for a while, you're like absorbing that color until you're done with that season. Yeah. And I just love that. I've been in like maybe a four to five year season with leopard and cheetah print. Still not done. But yeah, I'm like deep in, deep in. I'm wearing cheetah print pants right now. (laughs) So I'm curious, like, what does it mean to wear colors medicinally? And like, what is happening during that time? Yeah, absolutely. This is a great question. So this is the part where I'm like, okay, I didn't really reinvent the wheel here because color medicinally is something that has been done for hundreds of thousands of years. And there really is something to it that's really beautiful. I just kind of come from this place of like being very intentional with what you're assigning and connecting to it um, and how you can use it as a tool to rewire your neurons. But I do also really believe that it's energy and that it affects you and that it can connect you. And so Part of the process of AuraWare is to start by getting really clear on what color you're working with. And so the first thing I tell people is like take inventory of things that you have that are that color. Like it can be anything from a sweater to a notebook to a mug. It doesn't matter. So just kind of having an inventory. Oh, like, damn, it's pull, everything. Yeah, pulling it out. And so I like to kind of pull these things out and have them all together kind of decide what items I'm going to really intentionally use that week. Now, why? It's because whether it is energetically affecting you or how you're, or you're going to use it as a sign or a connection or a reminder, doesn't matter. Pull out the things. And then for me, it is kind of, I do like to have kind of a, a ceremony of blessing, if you will, but just being like, okay, like, what am I, what am I connecting here? What's, what's my focus this week? What am I going to be working through? So I kind of decide my words at that time. These words are what I feel what I feel when I see and experience a color, you know. And obviously, I am a little bit of a rotary of information <laughs> when it comes to color. So you can access some of this information on my site, in my Instagram, or you can just be really magenta in your energy and choose whatever the fuck words you want to put to it. I don't care. Um, it's up to you. It's what you're gonna really, really connect to. But that's a kind of the same process. It's like, really, what are you absorbing? And what are you connecting to? And I think that like when it comes to feng shui and some of these practices, like the rest of the world has been doing this for a really, really long time. For us, it's very new. So we have to be really clear because we're 
we're Americans and we're like, what, what? Like I need, I need like cut and dry <laughs> explanations here. So give it to me straight. <laughs> so once you've kind of figured out what words, like what values, what you're connecting. So let's say we're working with red, right? Let's just say we're working with red right now. And red we know is fiery and it represents anger. Like some of the things we just know as a collective, right? Red is also about being grounded and logical. Red is about being in your sensual power and your in your sacred feminine, you know, the, really kind of claiming your sexuality on your own terms. You're healing that, like whatever, whatever we're getting really deep with here. Red also is very much seen as this color. It's like the color that we all know that means stop or like you want to be seen. Red is all about that. So maybe you have been in a season where you're just like, I don't want to be seen, but I know I need to put myself out there. Or maybe you're ready to be seen. Or maybe you're just come out of a really bad relationship and you're ready to start figuring out who you are again and like how you want to date, how you want to be seen as a sensual being and a desired being. So you start to pick out your words. You start to connect them. And then the next step is to journal around them and write in conscious stream. This is so important to the process. This is like any of you who have done Artist Way or Morning Pages. It's that kind of work. But we're specifically journaling around red. So if you're picking anger as something you want to heal, you're sitting down, you're going, what makes me angry? And just like letting those things come through. And you'll start to have a real revelation of what needs to kind of be sussed out, what looks looked at, what needs to your compassion and or what you want to call in, what you want to be, what you want to connect to. And so as you start to journal with it, the next step is to meditate. I really meditate on the words that you wrote down in that paper. Maybe you're seeing yourself in, in you're seeing yourself in the meditation in red. So you're bathing yourself in red. This is very specific and important because if you're in beta, you're in your most active state in your mind, right? And as you're starting to meditate, what you're doing is you're bringing down that state. You're trying to get yourself into alpha theta, right? So when you start to meditate with the color, your neurons are starting to calm down and they're starting to be in a place where they're more impressionable. So then the color can be infused with those neurons, thus being the words that you're connecting to. So whether you're saying the words once you kind of feel yourself, I like to run the energy all the way through my body. I teach you how to do this in my one-on-ones, but I like to run it all the way through my body. And then once I, I can always tell when I'm like, ready, my lips get a little buzzy, my ears, my fingers, I feel that real nice center over me. And then from that place, I'll either visualize what I've written down on the paper, or, you know, repair it myself in that moment, or give myself the, what I need to heal that part of myself. Or I'll just see the manifestation, I'll see what I want to be, I want to feel, I'll feel it in my body. Or sometimes I just say the words, you know, sometimes I just affirm them, and it kind of just makes this imprint with the color with your mind and then the last step is to to wear the things that you put out put them on have them in your space this practice will help you either you know i believe it can serve as a beautiful sign too when you see it outside can really just help you know that you're in sync and you're doing what you want to be doing like when you're in a process of healing synchronous synchronization will come up a lot and it's just a beautiful sign that you're doing all the right things you are vibrating at the right place oprah always says like, um, you have to be vibrating at the certain level, or she's like, sometimes you're vibrating too low, or sometimes you're vibrating down here, but you want to be right here. I just think it's like, yeah, I think when you're at that place, you do, you see numbers and sequences and things. And it's just a nice way to be like, oh, I'm there. I'm doing what I need to be doing. I can take peace and contentment of that. And then, you know, it is conscious or subconscious. So that's the practice. But that, yes, color is, it absorbs. It fully comes in. Wow. What a cool practice. That's amazing. I love the idea of just at the end, like knowing which part or like how to deal with it, whether it's a visualization or a manifestation or just repeating the words or doing some inner child or or probably even some shout out. Like that is so cool. Yeah. The practice, I mean, and it goes much deeper because like my work is about using your closet as a place of expression. I also believe that each color of the aura has its own aesthetic and feeling, you know, that isn't necessarily just the color. You know, so if like you're working with pink, then pink in your closet is not necessarily just the color. Pink is ruffles or lace or things that feel really ladylike or feminine or make you feel a certain way in your clothes that feels really, really aligned with what you want to feel in your femininity and what you feel connected to. 
that can come out in many different ways versus needing your closet to be a place of creativity or expression or, um, or structure or comfort. All of these things, each color has that. And I, that is a lot to go through. And I want to be very mindful of your time. So <laughs> if you're interested in that information, you can find it on my website. <laughs> Perfect. Love that. <laughs> so it's interesting. Okay. So if we're going through like a season of a color yeah, or perhaps someone's working with you and they're going through like all 12 colors. I'm so curious. It sounds like we're working with both then the shadow side and the light side of the yeah. color as we're going through that season. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. So seasons, it's funny. So I want to touch on this because season is interesting. So when I first started this business, I had this huge download and almost it was almost like a joke download that I was like, it came through as a joke, first and foremost. So my girlfriend's like, those are the best. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> my girlfriend was like, Oh, you should be like the new color me beautiful. And it was just like, I was hit in this moment. So first of all, anyone who's listening, color me beautiful is this concept. And almost part of the first, I'm sure a lot of you've been hearing about MLMs or multi level marketing schemes or whatever. It was like one of the first <laughs> MLMs <laughs> comes from a really great place. Listen, the work itself at the root of it is beautiful, but it's very problematic. So I did feel a very strong part of me, a call to like correct the work and fix the work. So seasons is part of coloring beautiful. So they, you would fall into a category. You were either a winter a summer, a fall or a spring. And depending on what category you fell into, these would be your colors. These were the colors you were supposed to wear. Whoa. Right. So why this is problematic, it's because people, well, people loved it because they would get like, oh, this is me. These are my colors. Like women would have like flip books of colors. Even my like, my godmom, she still shows me her colors, which is so funny. She still oh my wears God. her colors. It cracks me up. Oh my God. But it'd be like, it caught like wildfire and women were like going crazy. It's the whole reason we have like Mary Kay and Alvon and all of these like MLMs that spun off because women were all getting Color Me Beautiful certified and going and like giving you your colors and like giving you beauty makeovers. And what was problematic about it is like, they would say things like if you were, a, they'd be like, okay, well, you're a winter, right? You're a winter. And these are the only colors you could wear. All right. And then they would say, um, and if you're, or if you're dramatic, which is your style, then you love to go to the theater and have lunch with your lady friends and blah. And then they would be like, Oh, but you're in here. You're a natural. And if you're a natural, you work in a daycare center and probably have like a, you know, a blue collar job. Like this is like really problematic stuff. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, this is interesting. She's really trying to put us all in these boxes. And that is just not me, my essence or energy. But I think there's actually a process here to really heal. And so the season stuff started to come up as like, what are you going through in a season? Like, you can't just have certain colors assigned to you in a season. I was like, yeah, blue tones, warm tones, cold tones. Okay, whatever. Sure. Like, yeah, maybe cold tones don't look great on you. Maybe blue, like warm tones do. Fine. But that doesn't mean you can't wear that color and work with it. And then that was my aha moment. It was like, oh, but like in seasons, we need certain things. And then that's what's really kind of led me to the work of like purpose and people like coming to me and asking me what their purpose is. And I'll say, cool, like what season, like, let's look at the season of your life right now, because that's where your purpose lies. And it's going to change again. And like, that's where you just have to get really down with it. Cause you're like, you're not going to be the same person you are now that you are in 10 years, you know, like 10 years ago, you may have been a mom or not a mom or now you're mom. Like, so the season part is really important because then it's, it's really helping you find a tool like color to really support you in a way that you really need in that season. Damn. That's it. That's so cool. I'm not saying any more of that. You're taking seasons back, first of all, which I love. I'm taking seasons back. Broadway performer, no way. <laughs> we can see it. It's coming out. I'm loving it. That's interesting. So – for example, I'm also in a season of yellow, which I know you don't want to talk about, which is fine. We don't have to no, get into yellow, but okay, we can talk about it. Okay, good. It's a yellow friendly zone. <laughs> so I'm in this season of starting this podcast. I'm starting this new business. And it's like very much like such a vulnerable, like every very extreme time of my life. 
And I am like collecting yellow like nobody's business. In fact, (laughs) earlier when we got on this call, Susanna pulled the yellow card first, which I was not surprised by at all. (laughs) We're not talking about yellow. (laughs) We're not talking about yellow. I'm like, that's my color. But I'm curious, like, I'm almost wondering if it's like the antidote to what's going on. And I don't even know if you can answer this, but like if it's like if I'm adding it because that's what I need or if I'm working with it and that's why I have to have it. Yeah. So may I read a little of your energy to you now and share that here? Is that okay? Full permission. Okay, yes. Cool. So it's, it feels like it's what I'm sensing and what I'm seeing and kind of, you know, things are kind of shifting and changing. Obviously, we're at a lot of different energies, but you have a lot of just like innate red energy you've been moving through. So when I say innate, it means very deeply close to your heart close to who you are, healing some big, big wounds around how people see you and experience you in the world. And it's also an energy, it feels very much like it's associated with, you know, maybe your, how you're raised or how you're brought up, but you're, you, you really wanted to take the, the lead of that again. And I, it's funny that you show me your, you said, I had this thing with leopard and I was just kind of having this little laugh over here because I was like, mm-hmm. So red at the core of red, it's like really about reclaiming your sensuality and uh, your sexuality in this way that is not from what, like an old understanding, coming from a new understanding. It's really okay for me to do this? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. I'll I'm cut out anything I'm not okay with. <laughs> I've never read anyone like on and okay. Um, but it feels like there's very much a lot of healing you've done around um, reclaiming this from your childhood. Um, so yellow, I think is here to really bring that deep healing and also to celebrate that part of you and that child. Wow. Damn. Nailed it. Spot on. <sighs> okay. Later we'll do a real <sighs> reading, full reading. <laughs> but that's not, <laughs> with that. So those, things, and when you say you're in this place, and you're talking about how, you know, you're like, I'm, I'm actionable or it's like all on earth. It's like all like operating from this place. Like both of those colors vibrate very highly on the scale, on the, on the scale of spectrum of color. Um, and they t- tend to be more intense. Yeah, so you're like perfectly primed for lots of shifts and lots of things to really come through. But you have to, first and foremost, it's really about honoring what brings you joy, what lights you up, what connects you first and foremost. And then everything else is going to follow. Amazing. Amazing. That's wild. So it almost does sound like like I'm it's not the antidote. It's like I'm pulling it in. You are. And that's why it's like I had to really let go of, you know, from a lot of the studies that I was learning, I was blocking my own understanding or an energy because I would be like, but that can't be right, because I've never read that and I didn't understand that. And but then I the irony of all of that is like that's what how you get to your spiritual gifts is by letting go of everything. But there is this process that really doesn't come in place. And I really believe like we have complete control over how people see and experience us and how we want to show up in the world and what colors come over us. And what we, you know, I always say, like, I assign you colors, like, I'll be like, this color is to support you. But yeah, it's not uncommon to see it come through in the aura and the energy. So there's something to yeah. it. Damn. That's wild. I'm also just picturing my mind, like, what do red and yellow make together? I'm picturing McDonald's, oh honestly. God, That's no, like- just hungry. No, I'm just kidding. Very bold. It's a bold. In color psychology, they're actually the most, the two colors that are the most stimulating for appetite, ironically. Wow. But you don't, Interesting. I don't see, the, I will say I don't often see them together like that. Interesting. Interesting. Well, what can I say? I'm special. Oh my God. Amazing. Uh, well, I know we're almost out of time here. So I am curious. I do want to ask you about eco-conscious brands. Um, you help clients with styling their wardrobe with eco-conscious brands. What should people be looking for in an eco-conscious brand? Yes. This is a really great question. The work that I do came around. First of all, I love using the closet as this place of wellness and as a place to really express and connect and feel good about yourself. It is such a supportive place. Um, but for me, I realized that my closet was like my diet at that time. It was really bad. 
and I needed to clean it up. Um, and so <laughs> our closet can just be it, like the health of our closet is really important, um, especially in the day and age we're living in. So there used to be like what, maybe a top of 10 fashion seasons a year, like when our parents were younger, only in like, I believe like the late 2000s did we start going from having 10 fashion seasons a year. So 10 drops. So any store, any department store, any brand would have 10 drops. So you could go into the store 10 times throughout that year and they would have new things. Um, yeah, that was it. And like, or like they would maybe get ref, ref, like reorders of things, but it would usually only be about 10 cycles. We went from having 10 to having 52 fashion weeks a year. Um, this caused a lot of problems. And there's lots of documentaries out there you can watch on this. This is where, you know, we start seeing H&Ms and Zara's and fast fashion. Um, but all these things started happening. And what was happening overseas is that they were amping up production. Everything was just like not regulated, not taken care of. And there was a really bad fire in a factory in Bangladesh about a decade ago. And that's when things really started to shift and change. A lot of people felt really convicted over that. And we're like, we have to make a change here because children died in that. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it was it was heartbreaking for the industry. And so people really started to wake up. So not only are your clothes being ethically, not ethically made at that time, you know, depending on where you work, where you get them now, you can find great sources, and I'm happy to give you some of those. But also, it was taking a huge toll on climate change, how much water has to be used for each garment, how much fuel has to go into it, all the things. So all of these things were really just stacking up. And so now more than ever, it is so important to buy ethically and sustainably. The problem is we have to rewire our brain on how we shop, how we spend money. Because a top that costs $7.99 is not the same as a, a top that costs $50, right? But they're different because one's quality, one's made in a more ethical way. And one is you're going to wear an average of maybe six times before you throw away. And this is like a true stat. <laughs> stat. Like uh, you say the average person wears uh, clothing like seven times before they throw it away. So starting to really think about shopping small now, buying brands, really getting curious to, and lots of brands show their mission statements now, um, and just really rewiring how we shop. So I will tell you, I actually ended up saving money. I teach my clients this. Like I saved money when I started shopping ethically and I have the best closet. I don't have a huge closet for a stylist, but I have the best closet and I love every single piece of clothing in there. And so the reason why I saved money is because I would really allow myself a certain budget of like a hundred to $200 a month for every, like all 12 months where I bought something that I was going to put in my closet that I could really love and want to have. And then if I didn't like it, I could sell it on eBay. And so I started to learn about these designers and to connect to brands and things would sell it quickly because they make them in small batches. And I ended up having a closet to this day that I still love. And I saved money because I wasn't just running into a store or just like impulse buying something. It was thought out. So it's a reframe. You have to really reframe how you think and how you feel about clothes first and foremost. And then, then the quote, the clothing diet, the style diet will change. <laughs> mm, I love that so much. It's like really being thoughtful and, and mindful about the buying process, which will lead to you using your clothes more often and probably them lasting longer because they're higher quality. Yeah, you just take care of them differently. Like you're not going to like, it's like the time you've ever bought a nice pair of sunglasses. Like, the cheapy ones, you sit on, you crack, you don't put them in the case. But when you have nice ones, you put them in the case. You care about them. They cost you money. Right? Right. You know, so. You take care of it. Take care of things differently. I really believe that. Uh, a bit more. I love that. And if you have any like resources, I will link those. Below. Yeah, I have. A, there's so many brands I really, really love right now. Um, Off the top of my head, I love this brand called Lisa Says God. They're very, it's a curated shop, but they really do practice ethical and sustainable uh, practices and what they're, what they are curating and putting together. Um, and it's just really fun and wacky and crazy cool stuff. Garmatory is a great platform to use. Garmatory is a online platform for small shops all over the country and the world and brands to be able to be seen and found on a, a e-commerce platform. And so you can buy directly from the source and they pay a small commission to be on that platform. So those are just two I love. And then I'll give you more. <laughs> Amazing. That's awesome. I'll link those all below for anyone listening. 
Amazing. Susanna, oh my God, this has been literally the funnest conversation. <laughs> we got smudged. <laughs> we laughed, we cried. It was great. So I'm curious for anyone listening, how can listeners get in touch with you and learn more about what you offer? Absolutely. So you guys, I am so excited to tell you that I'm going to be launching a go at your own pace course sometime this summer. So Make sure if you are listening to this, you go to orwarenyc.com, you get your name on our email list so you can be one of the first to know. And we're going to be running a beta program for that. So you could be one of the lucky people to be in that program. Secondly, if you go to my website and you sign up, you get a copy of my free ebook, which is all about how you can style your aura. So go get that copy. So you can find me at orwarenyc.com. You can find me on Instagram at orwarenyc. And you can find me in Brooklyn, sometimes hanging out at a variety coffee shop. There's about five of them. <laughs> Look, find me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we don't, we'll, we'll leave you alone in Brooklyn. <laughs> I'm like, where Like LinkedIn. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, so good. <laughs> it's so good. You do some TikTok. Are you still doing TikToks? Oh. I do, I do every once in a while. I gotta get back on the TikTok train. Yeah, I love, I live for your TikToks. They're so funny. I know. I think so funny. I think it's time to get back in that, back in that world. Or maybe, maybe yeah. you can find me on TikTok at or where I might see. <laughs> there we go. There it is. <laughs> well, I highly recommend following because it will literally color up your feed. It is uh, so fun. Susanna's obviously so funny. So I just want to thank you so much for being on the show. This has just been a blast. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. And listen, have me back anytime. This is a blast. Oh my God. Yes, you're invited anytime. (laughs) Anytime. All right. Amazing. That's it for today's show. Thank you so, so, so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed. If you have a moment and you're in the Apple Podcast app, please rate and review the show. I could really use all the ratings I can get. And share this episode with a friend that may benefit from it. You never know. And of course, hit subscribe to keep up with new weekly episodes. Until next week, visit sarahcohan.com. That's S-A-R-A-H-C-O-H-A-N.com to find other podcast episodes. And you can find Lit AF on Instagram at It's Me, Sarah Cohan. And you can also find me on Clubhouse. Thank you again for listening. Please stay lit, lit AF, and I hope to see you back here next week.